I don't let anybody, I repeat, except my aunt and my uncle, because they literally spent all their money for me to be sitting here today. Yeah. I don't let anybody stress me. Yeah. I walk away from shitty people, negative and toxic. If I find out you are a toxic person, trust me, I won't even say good morning. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anya Fombat, and I spark the heart conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people, or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Living African Podcast. I am your host, Anya, and today I have Anna Are, who will be our very beautiful guest today. And she is here to talk about a very rare disease, which happens definitely in our community, but it's not usually spoken about or commonly spoken about when looking at how other diseases are being talked about. And I'm talking about the disease called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Now, it sounds like gibberish or it sounds like a very complex name or foreign name or even sounds like a different language I'm talking about. But you will come to understand that this is a very serious and rare disease. And actually, it's an autoimmune disease. And what does autoimmune mean? So we have our system, our immune system that fights you know, diseases, right? It fights bacteria. It could fight a virus. It could fight any foreign substance that's in your disease. And it fights that because your immune system, you have white blood cells in your blood. And that's basically, those are the army or the soldiers of the body. So those are the fighters, the parts of the body that fight any disease that wants to attack you. Sometimes the disease may be stronger and that's when you have to, you know, take medications to help your body fight those diseases as well or the infection or whatever you have. But there is a point where these fighters in your body, they tend to look at your own body as a foreign substance and then they keep fighting your body. They keep fighting against your body instead of fighting for your body. So that is basically the simplest definition of an autoimmune disease. And they come in different forms, which we will be talking about in just a minute. So I just want to welcome Anna on here to the platform. And Anna, I want to really, really appreciate you. I just want to say a big thank you for coming on and opening up to us and being more vulnerable with us to talk about your story and your experience with Hashimoto's. And I really hope that a lot of people will be enlightened by your story. I was inspired and I hope that our people will be enlightened and more educated and even sensitized, you know, by your story to actually check themselves. And now I want to give a huge, huge disclaimer, which we may not um, say it throughout the episode, but whatever we're going to be talking about in this episode 
is subjective. So basically it's based on Anna's experience and it's not a standard fact or, you know, a generalized assumption. That's not what we're trying to do. We are providing a subjective story. So take that story, learn from that story, and then figure out how to apply that to your own life. So welcome to our platform, Anna. How are you doing today? Hi, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. I'm fine, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Right, right, right. I call it blessed. You're blessed to be alive, right? (laughs) Right, right, right. So can you just introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi, everyone. My name is Anna Ari, but I go by Barista Anna Ari because I'm a lawyer by profession. Mm -hmm. And a few days ago, I turned 33. Yay. Happy birthday. Thank you. And I live in Lagos, Nigeria, mm-hmm. both Cameroonian. And I've been in Lagos for three years. I'm so blessed to be in Lagos. Mm-hmm. I've had the best experience. Mm-hmm. So I run a real estate company. I'm a chronic and autoimmune disease advocate. Mm-hmm. I advocate for people who have autoimmune disease. I try to make them look above conventional medicine. Mm-hmm. And I advocate for holistic medicine because due to holistic medicine that I'm alive today, it helped shape my life. And that's just a bit about me. Right, right. Yeah, and I look forward to us having a deeper dive into the conversation, into why you even came to Nigeria to begin with. You know, our listeners are going to figure that out by the end of our conversation, you know. And basically, we're going to really talk about all the experiences that you have had leading up to this moment. Now, let's go way, way, way back. Tell us about, you know, your upbringing in Cameroon how you grew up, how life was back then, you know. Okay, I was born in a family of four. I went to school in Cameroon. As a matter of fact, Anya's sister mm-hmm. was my schoolmate and we're very good friends, Paula. Yeah. And I did university in Cameroon, finished law, practice, sat for the bar in Cameroon. I have three siblings, two brothers and a sister. Yeah. I mean, one of my brothers, actually his blood flows in my vein. Right. It means the world to me. So, right. Yeah. So I lost my dad 18 years ago. We got rest of school. My mom lives in Cameroon. She's a government teacher. And I was raised by my uncle and my aunt in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom too, but they, those two actually, I tell the world they're my parents because the literary gone above what uncles and aunties would do for their nieces. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's just it. And I used to work for a corporate law firm before God decided what the future had for my life. Yeah. Nothing extra. I'm single. I'm not searching though. Hey, so. oh, <laughs> I was about to be like, hey, single and ready to mingle. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, thank I'm you. Just, that's just all about me. Nothing extraordinary life in Cameroon was very good I mean I had a well good paid job paying job right really living my life I yes could, yeah it was about work 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 but when it's time to have fun yes I was that girl before my life changed but right I'm good to God yeah I mean I've been, I've been through it all so yes there's nothing that loses me right now right so let's talk about before your life changed right so in terms of your health like were you ever sick or was there ever any event that happened you know which when you look back you could think that 
maybe those were signs of what we will eventually come to learn as the Hashimoto's thyroiditis? Oh, yeah. I mean, I used to work when I was in university in 2009. Mm -hmm. I had a... I had, I had an infection, which turned out to be typhoid. Hmm. And I was in the hospital for 10 days. Mm-hmm. I believe that was one of the first symptoms of my attack. But in, since Cameroonian healthcare is limited to malaria and typhoid, they could not pick it up. Hmm. And all what I was told is the typhoid disease gave me some infections around my kidney, which when I went in for further scans, we discovered I had kidney stones. Hmm. Yeah, so I've seen a nephrologist from time to time. And in 2014, mm-hmm. not 2015, my health, I had another episode of kidney stones because my legs used to retain water. And you know what they say back yeah. then, your legs retain water, it means you have problems with your kidney. So mm-hmm. I always used to have serious, if I sit down for long, I'll have water, my legs will retain yeah. water. We call so it I edema. Edema. Mm-hmm. So I started a nephrologist again, and I had some. I had. I went through some kidney scans, and he told me I was given some medication. I can't even place the name, and he told me I'd passed out the stones. So, for a long time, I was asked to drink water at least six bottles a day, and I did that for a while because I used to be a heavy Dom Perignon drinker. So. Mm-hmm. It had something to do with my social life. Mm-hmm. Having to connect with people corporately out of the office, I always have to drink water in their midst. I mean, mm-hmm. it's fine because I work so hard, but I didn't know that that was another sign of the Hashimoto's attack coming up. Yeah. Not to 2016, I had breakouts on my face, like acne breakout because I really have good skin. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what it was. And late 2016, in December, in the midst of all the partying and everything, I became very sick. Mm-hmm. I had this high temperature, and I found myself in the hospital on the 26th of December. Mm-hmm. And I was diagnosed with typhoid and malaria again. But at this time, I was anemic. My hemoglobin level was six, hmm. which was a problem. Yeah. Yes. Doctor asked me to see a gynecologist for a scan. When I got to the hospital, I've always been the girl who has every medical doctor. I saw my gynecologist and he was so surprised to see that I was this anemic. I had three pints of blood. Yeah. And by the way, let me interrupt you that the normal hemoglobin levels, I think for women, I think should be between 10 and 12. So for your hemoglobin level to be six, that's really low. And you definitely need blood. My eyes were wide. I was literally like a a white sheet of paper because when I got to the gynecologist's office, even the nurses at the reception could not recognize who he was. Hmm. After I'd spent New Year's Day in the hospital. So they couldn't even recognize me. And it's not like in America where emergency or abroad where the emergency unit works on holidays. Yeah. In Africa, every country I've been to, you come Nobody there, you works. Just, yeah. Nobody works. So I couldn't even go to the hospital. On the second, the doctor said he went to spend Christmas at his village. And I said, you have to drive back to Dwala. If not, I'm going to die. So when I got there, he was, I had... Four pints of blood, I'm sure, for between four and three mm-hmm. for me to So I was placed on bed rest. He said, Oh, from the scans, um, he cannot figure out what is wrong with me, but 
there's a problem. He can't place it. Let me go back home and get some rest. I'll come back after two weeks after finishing my medications. Mm-hmm. And I told him, oh, I the, um, my diagnosis showed I had typhoid and malaria. Is, and he, I asked, I said, oh, in Cameroon, they believe an effective typhoid treatment must be treated with herbal concoctions. So I asked him, what is his take about it? And he goes like, even if I say you shouldn't, I know you, you go back and go and do it. So hmm. I started taking the typhoid concoctions three weeks after I'd finished my conventional medications. Four days into it, I had edema. The swelling started from my head to my neck, to my arms, my tummy, and my legs. And I kept going to work, and I kept wearing my dresses, but I could feel how I couldn't lift my hands up and everything. And this morning, I just realized that I'm tripled the size, which I'm normally. My feet were swollen. Everything was happening to me. So I had to call the nephrologist and like, it seems I have a kidney disease. My body... It's swollen. And he said, come back to go. I'm not in town. I need you to go to the hospital. They need to start running you the various tests. We need to start making sure everything is okay. And this guy had a complete medical checkup and everything came back negative. But I was still swelling. Swelling. He put me on laxes. But you can't take laxes for more than a week because you're going to be low in calcium and maybe potassium. Yeah. So I took it for a while and five days later I had chronic SIBO, small intestine bacteria overgrowth. Yeah, diarrhea. We, we didn't know where it was coming from. I was constipated. I looked like somebody that was 10 months pregnant. I could I could barely sleep at night. While everybody's asleep, my eyes are wide open. I'll start sleeping the next day at 3 p.m. So I had to go see a gastroenterologist because of the SIBO, because every other medication which the nephrologist gave me, I could barely take them. So when I got to the gastroenterologist's office, he owns this very beautiful... And a gastroenterologist is just a doctor that deals with issues of the digestive system. Like, so your stomach, your intestine, like, well, not, not necessarily, well, yeah. Yeah, that's what your I intestines, mean. your colon. So when you know. I went and I told him, I said, this is what I've been And he said, oh, you have a thyroid disease. And I, I went straight to... And this is still in Cameroon. Google to find out what a thyroid disease is. And he goes like, let's write the test. You get a thyroid scan. And in Cameroon, even the advanced medical diagnostic centers, they still don't have testing equipments for rare diseases they have to send it to paris the results have to paris the results have to come back after 10 days or two weeks because it has to be cultured mm-hmm. so i had the thyroid scan they took the tire my blood um i blood placement to send to paris i had to wait for two weeks this guy didn't even tell me he was not a specialist for that disease or referred me to an endocrinologist mm-hmm. we waited for the results to come and he started prescribing me medication wow and he started prescribing me medications. So I going from bad to worse. Like in four weeks, I lost so much weight. Oh, wow. The so you left out, from like having that much weight with the swelling and then you just drastically lost the weight. Then I became six shades down. I was way darker. I had all this acne all over my skin. My mouth, like there was a sore, my whole mouth was sore. I could barely oh move. Gosh. I could barely breathe. If I'm sleeping in the night, you'll be hearing how I'm struggling to catch my breath because you think I'm climbing a hill. So I got worse till my family was like, 
we need to evacuate you out of Cameroon. I had to go back to my nephrologist and I said, hey, I'm dying. They needed to get the security to come carry me on their back to take me to the hospital. It was that bad. I go like, I'm dying. And I was lucky to have had a client who I was working on his file. Then he didn't hear from me for three weeks, which was not a regular yeah. mode of communication. Mm-hmm. So he, he was, he was not, he's not, he's not basing. He had to fly to Cameroon thinking, Hey, what's going on with my file? When he got into my house, he had shivers. I was like, what's going on with you? I could barely talk. I started crying. He said, you know what? Don't come and die in Cameroon. I'll help you. Contact this hospital in India. There's going to be a solution. And when I contacted the hospital in India, I sent them my medical, my medical records from December to the, at that time we see March. Mm-hmm. They sent me an email and said, okay, we're going to, it's going to take us 72 hours to get back to you with a response. And in 72 hours, when they responded, their first observation was stop all the medications. You've been on wrong medications. That was nine weeks. Wow. Said so drop all the medications. You're on wrong medications. That's why you're getting worse. Start the visa procedure. This is your invitation letter. If you get to India early, we are lucky. But just stop all the medication. Believe it or not, when I stopped the medications, the symptoms, I, I had a slight improvement. Hmm. in terms of the breathing, because I was on wrong medication, so it was just sitting on my heart. Yeah. The reasons why I could barely breathe, I could barely move. Some of them were sitting on, like, my organs. The reasons why the bloating continued, and I was having difficulties to do everything. I could barely even take a shower. So the, there's no Indian consulate. In, there was an Indian consulate in Cameroon, but there was no embassy. Mm. The embassy was... Nigeria, the visa procedure had to take two weeks. So I had to wait again for another three weeks for the visa procedure to go through. And there comes my visa. And on the day I was tra- I was supposed to have traveled, the doctor said he cannot allow me to travel because my pulse are very low. He's not sure I'm going to make it to India alive. And I told him, I said, I'm going to go to India. So Ethiopia Airlines has the shortest route to India. Mm-hmm. And for you to go to India, if you're on a medical visa or tourist visa, no, on a medical visa, which that is what I took. That's the visa I had, the mm-hmm. visa type. But they have a doctor in Cameroon who has to authorize your travel because of the recent deaths on the plane from Cameroon to India. Hmm. That, that year, I know two schoolmates who lost their parents on their way to India. Wow. So they became very strict with patients from Cameroon. So... We managed to get my ticket. I was told since I didn't have the doctor's approval, I will not have medical wheelchair assistant. I had to struggle. I could barely walk. How I got to India is just God alone. When I got to India, I was going to the city, the city where my hospital is situated is called Bangalore. So the, the, I had a, I had an 11 hours layover at my Mumbai airport hmm. because I was so weak. I could barely move. It was, I don't even know what happened, but I'm so grateful to God that I, have, I, I am alive to narrate this story. So when I got to Mumbai, I contacted the hospital and asked them to bring an ambulance that might need an oxygen to the airport because mm-hmm. I was feeling so weak. It's an hour, 45 minutes flight. My flight was delayed by two hours. Mm-mm. So when I got to Bombay, they were waiting for me at the airport, the hospital, the wheelchair and everything. I just woke up the next day in a room with 
everything happening. Apparently, I passed out on our way to the hospital. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. And they had run all sort of tests. I was lucky to have stopped those medications, but I traveled with the medications to India. Then I was given something for energy and energy bar to be taken while throughout my trip just to help me. Mm-hmm. So when I got to India, they did all the observation. They tried to make sure I'm, it's not ca- a cancer I was having. Yeah. They biopsies, CT scans, everything. Every indication pointed towards my thyroid. Every indication pointed towards my thyroid. So I had to see the specialist on Monday. When I finally saw the doctor, he requested for a thyroid scan and other stuff. And I was diagnosed with Graves' disease. So mm-hmm. the doctor told me, hey, you're going to stay in India for three months. I have to bring your hormones to a certain level yeah. before you come to Cameroon. So I was in India for 12 weeks and I was happy. It was the worst time of my life. I had all sort of, I couldn't even recognize myself because believe it or not, I attempted suicide. Wow. I wasn't the girl I knew with so much dreams. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know if I was going to be alive. Waking up the next morning was like a miracle. I'm happy it happened. Like, I went back to Cameroon after 12 weeks and I was supposed to be back in India after eight months because I was placed on medications. Mm-hmm. The doctor said between that time to the eight months, the hormones, my thyroid hormones will be within a certain range. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I don't want surgery. And he said, he's going to, do, uh, I'm going to undergo a, an iodine ablation, a radiation, um, an iodine ablation which is called radiotherapy. So in in the I don't in Africa where in Cameroon they don't even do it in Cameroon, they do it in Tunisia. Right. And can you explain the process, please? Um iodine ablation is just simply it's just some molecule which is placed is placed directly on in your throat mm-hmm. that helps to destroy your thyroid gland. Mm-hmm. In most cases, people who have the goiter yeah, they help destroy the thyroid gland before I undergo surgery. Mm-hmm. In my case, I didn't have a goiter because I had a very good doctor who had managed to bring down my hormonal level to a certain range. Mm-hmm. At that time, even my blood pressure was within range. Yeah. So, for you to undergo the iodine ablation, you have to go into isolation for twelve weeks, mm-hmm. for two weeks, fourteen days, because anybody you come in contact with might get infected. A pregnant woman might lose her Yeah, radiotherapy with the radiation. Yeah. Radioactive. Yeah, it's called radioactive iodine. So it's really, it's a very, it doesn't take 20 minutes to do, but the consequences are Mm -hmm. very dangerous. So Mm -hmm. I prepared my mind mentally. The doctor asked me, I said, no, 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 I don't want any scar on my body. I mean, he told me they could do, My hospital happened to be one of the best hospitals in Asia. So they do robotic surgeries. Mm -hmm. So even if I was going to have a thyroidectomy, it was going to be a robotic procedure, Mm -hmm. which I was really not going to have any scar or maybe something small or something. Mm -hmm. So I told him I don't want any scar on my body. I'll prefer if we do the iodine ablation. So I had to go back to India. I was lucky to have had the opportunity to sit down for my bar part two exams. When I got back to India, they had to prepare me for it. I mean, the hormone levels were not still within range. Mm-hmm. But the doctor added my, the dose of my medication. I've even forgotten the name because I've been taking live on now for the last four years. So the yeah. other medication 
Yes, so I was on that medication for a while. I tested again and they got me ready. And as at that time, they, they called them um, oh, the nuclear medicine mm-hmm. association had stopped producing iodine um, molecules in India. They could only produce it in the U.S. I was the large, last batch of people that they were producing it in India. I don't know why they had to say they should produce it in the U.S. Maybe I asked the doctor and he said he still has to go to, for some meeting. Maybe they found out some people that were giving expired ones to patients or mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it had to come from... Um, Center for um, center center for nuclear medicine in Mumbai. They have mm-hmm. an institute there. So, if I was supposed to take some people take fifty six, some other people um, milligrams, some other people take two hundred, depending on the level of your goiter. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. My neck wasn't swollen like there wasn't any goiter, but you could see it on my side. Yeah. So they had to produce what I was supposed to take. It had to come from Mumbai. There was supposed to be a particular day. If you miss it, they will have to reproduce it again. You have to be on a list. Yeah. And in a country like India, you're not the only patient. Yeah. There's a waiting list. That's and true. Priority. Yeah. Because I was a foreigner and I was one of his most critical cases, they had to push my list forward because I had to come back to Cameroon. Yeah. To get sworn in. They wouldn't have sworn me in if I was not there. Maybe they would postpone my, my, my call to bar. And I had to be on in isolation for two weeks, observation for five weeks. So I just oh told gosh. the doctor, all those, all those extra expenses, who is going to cover them? Imagine India, just the iodine procedure is like a thousand something dollars for the milligram, which I was taking, 28 or 30. Wow. It was like a thousand five hundred dollars. So the doctor, prior to having it, I met with my gynecologist, who is... She's also very intelligent. I mean, I love her so much. Mm-hmm. The doctor told me, now that you don't have children, statistics has proven that many, a lot of female patients that undergo iodine ablation who haven't had children, they tend not to have kids. So I was advised to have an IUD to protect my estrogens mm-hmm. a week before that. So I went through the procedure. They had to test me again to see if I'm feet if i can have children because you have to sign a disclosure agreement not to come and sue them later that oh it was due to this iodine ablation that i can't have children in future mm-hmm. they had i went through a series of tests and scan and everything to prepare me for it mentally i saw a psychologist and i was ready for it when it happened my body went through i was very uncomfortable wow i was locked and you either choose to be in isolation in the hospital or you be a responsible adult and isolate yourself in the house. Don't come in contact with anybody. I mean, it's a hospital that has 20, at least, they have a capacity of at least 50,000 patients. Among that, there are people with cancer. I used to live in a guest house where everybody's a cancer patient. So I was high risk. Wow. I was asked not to leave my room for 14 days. Wow. I had to pay an ambulance that will carry me alone and go later to go and get sanitized. In case a cancer patient enter inside and something happens to them, I'll be held liable. So after the 14 days, I got tested. There was a bit of improvement. Mm-hmm. Another scan. The doctor said, I will have to come again after two, three weeks. He tried to regularize my medication and said, I have to come back after three weeks before I could go to Cameroon. And when I was going back to Cameroon, he told me in six months, I'll have to go and get tested because he believes that six months after the iodine ablation, I'm supposed to be 
I'm supposed to go, I'm supposed to be hypo. Yeah, I'm hypothyroidism, be, like hypothyroid. I'm supposed, yeah. to, I'm supposed to transition to hypothyroidism mm-hmm. and I was supposed to go back to India after 10, after 10 months just for checkup, just to ensure. I didn't know yeah. that was the beginning of another whole story in my life. Right. And let me interrupt you there. So for the people who don't understand. So originally you had all those symptoms before because your thyroid levels were extremely high. So you had to go through the thyroid ablation to target the thyroid levels to make them low. But now the thyroid levels now were extremely low. That's how you got to hypothyroidism. Hypothyroidism just means low thyroid levels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that was the hypothyroidism was just, uh, it did something different now to your body. I wasn't supposed to go back to work. I told the doctor, there is no way I'm not going back to work. I said, I live in Africa. I'm not married and I'm very independent mm-hmm. and I have a very expensive habits. So <laughs> I don't see my family members trying to fund that lifestyle for me. Right. To be sincere, that's what I told him. I said, I have to go back to work. I mean, I won't see myself going to ask for money to buy. I'm, they didn't have a problem, but I had a problem being a burden for the things I love. Yeah. So when I went back six weeks later, I got a job in a top tier law firm as an, as a senior associate. I didn't know that was the beginning of my issues. Like I used to work so hard. I needed to end bonuses so that I could be prioritized for traveling for cases out of the country. Mm-hmm. Six months later, I had a serious breakdown. How that, I just found out I couldn't wake up from bed. And the doctor told me he thinks I've transitioned to hypo. Did a series of tests. I was lucky to have found one of the best endocrinologists in Cameroon. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. he was being transferred to be the rector of a medical school, meaning he can no longer do community practice. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't really have time managing the school, talkless of handling patients. Mm-hmm. And he told me, Anna. I'm going to refer you to somebody and I'll walk with her. But mind you, it was a nightmare. <laughs> so what we did was he referred me to that lady. Mm-hmm. Started, I, I started taking live. It's not really live thyroxine. I was taking, I was taking thyroxine. Thyroxine. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got, I had a supply for two years from India. So I was on thyroxine 10 MG. I started with 20 just to bring it down. Mm-hmm. Three months later, I had a, I had a, sh- a diabetic crisis. I just found myself very uncomfortable and I went to the hospital while the doctor was consulting me. I, I collapsed. Wow. In front of And my sugar levels were over 250. Hmm. I stopped taking freezy drinks 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't take even yogurt, nothing. And this lady, all she could tell me was, when it happens, I have to put palm oil and salt in my mouth. Like what does that? Oh my uh, gosh! <laughs> the doctor in India was limited to what he could do. She's French speaking. My doctor doesn't even understand French. Mm-hmm. So working together was a nightmare. It had to be a translator at the same time. A patient struggling to know what I'm going to leave. Yeah. So the doctor re- look at the results and say, "Oh, okay, let's adjust the medications. Let's do this. Let's do that." And that was in 2019. I spent Christmas and New Year in the hospital. In fact, on bed rest, I could barely function. Six months after that, my health got worse. I collapsed in my bathroom. One morning, I was preparing. To, I wasn't feeling too well. Another sugar crisis. And I was in the hospital this time for over like a week. Mm-hmm. 
And my family decided, my doctor said, come back to India. And I said, I can't leave Cameroon to come to India. What is the solution? What are we doing? My results showed there's something attacking my white blood cells. I could barely wake up from bed. Some mornings I cannot wake up from my bed. I can't go and use the bathroom. Everything is happening to me. My health got worse. I felt like I was dying. I was sitting in the midst of people and I'm only threatening to like, it's like I'm about to collapse. Wow. I'm feeling like something is attacking my body. I was supposed to have, and the family, okay, let's try a hospital in Europe. And I said, France should be out of the question because Cameroonians have a tendency of going to Paris and not coming back alive. So mm. it's getting shit out of me. So we found a doctor in England, quite all right, applied for the visa procedure and everything. And unfortunately for British Embassy, they didn't give me a visa, saying I don't have anything holding me back in Cameroon. And they think if I come to England, I'm not going to come back. I mean, I was mm. working a well-paying job and the rest. So right. one of the doctors said, you're actually... Your, 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 your condition is actually getting worse as the days go by. Can you travel to Nigeria? I know my schoolmate who happens to be one of the best endocrinologists in the world. We went to school together. Yeah. Manages the endocrinology department in a French hospital in Lagos. Go there. At the same time, I could not even make a flight to Addis Ababa, which is four hours, 30 minutes, because two hours into traffic, I'm threatening to collapse. It's like I should remove all my clothes. I'm struggling to breathe. Everything was happening to me. If I manage to go to work around 12, I'm, my head can no longer lift up from my legs. You'll be hearing the way I'm struggling with my breath. And I couldn't wow. understand what was happening to me. My sugar level kept going up and up, and I was on a diet. Because for you to manage your thyroid levels properly, you needed to go on a diet. I was on a gluten-free diet. I had every, I'd stopped eating everything everybody was eating. Hmm. I happened to send my results to the hospital in Lagos and the doctor said you should be on the next flight to Lagos. It was that bad. I didn't know I was dying. He said you should be on the next flight to Lagos. And when I got to Lagos... I had seven autoimmune diseases. Wow. My adrenal glands were died, were dead. Addison disease. I was hypoglycemic. There was cholesterol levels that were way up above the roof. Mm-hmm. There was Hashimoto thyroiditis. Apparently, my organs were all inflamed. Wow. Reasons for the extreme fatigue. Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't sit up talking like this. Four years ago, I'll be on, I'll be on the bed talking to you right now. Yeah, because I'm tired. My feet were retaining water, and my heart, my 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 blood pressure was very high. Mm-hmm. So when I got to see the doctor, I mean, they have a they have the the function like a proper abroad hospital. Yeah, I got to see the GP. I had thorough medical checkup. Mm-hmm. And mind you, everywhere in the world, even in the US, insurance does not cover autoimmune disease. Yeah. I think I it, it depends to. on, I'll, I'll just give a disclaimer on that because I think it depends on the kind of insurance that you get. There are some diseases that, you know, because, you know, these diseases come with symptoms as well. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So they come with, these diseases come with so many symptoms that you would need to basically maybe sometimes see different practitioners. You know, it's a team of people that help you to to treat these diseases. So I'll just give a disclaimer that it depends on the insurance that you have. Some insurance companies or plants cover the diseases and some don't. And 
I mean, or maybe they could have a very high copay per se for some of the treatment or the tests that you're doing. So I'll just give that disclaimer, yes. at least here in America. I don't know about, you know, Africa. Because I belong to an association of autoimmune disease patients in the mm-hmm. U.S. Mm-hmm. All of them have the same cry. Mm-hmm. Some of them, they find it very difficult I mean, I'm, I'm not proud to say, but I'm one of the most luckiest people who have had to go through treatment without having a go for me. Right. Everybody I, everybody I know in my autoimmune support group has a go for me. In fact, they are still contributing. So the doctor told my family, yes, I have gone into full autoimmune. It's going to take 24 months if I cooperate to go into remission. Mm-hmm. But first, he cannot just go straight in addressing the hormone. He has to address every other health condition I have. Yeah. At that point, I just took a month leave to go cure myself. Mind you, I spent 10 weeks in Lagos. Wow. I spent 10 weeks in Lagos. And... When I got here and he started the treatment, he said, first, he's going to start with the Addison disease. I didn't take a shower for three days because I could not wake up from bed. That's one of the most, I cried. Like I could barely, I could barely lift myself up. The hospital was at my beg and call for any issue. And they don't need to admit you in the hospital unless if you're going through some therapy or anything, because everything has to be tablets, tablets, yeah. tablets, 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 tablets. So I started the treatment. The first one week, it was so difficult. He was even scared. He knew I couldn't survive it. And got tested. The adrenal levels had improved. After two weeks, mm-hmm. he said, okay, the next one, we have to go to my sugar level. My sugar levels were like 220, 230, 240. Wow. Yeah. So I was placed on metformin and Tragenta. Mm-hmm. I took 27 packets of Tragenta. Wow. At that time, a packet of Tragenta. No way. I took 27 packs of Tragenta. Like it was, it had to help me. As for metformin, I don't even know. The, the amount, the, the different cartons of metformin I took. I was on metformin from 2019 to 2021. Wow. Yeah, so the doctor had to address the sugar level. He said my sugar levels need to be addressed. Like, it's a must. Mm-hmm. They need the sugar level to be addressed. And eight weeks into addressing my sugar level, I started experiencing the real Hashimoto symptoms, which are, it starts with what they call, um, there's another name for SIBO. I keep forgetting it. I don't know why. Um, I forgot. There's another, yeah, I, I keep forgetting. There's another name for SIBO because it really, really disturbed me. Yeah. Like, okay, so... I started experiencing it where I was having, I went to the toilet for four days straight. Like I, yeah, I it has it's, it's some, some of the symptoms are like, um, IBS, like inflammatory bowel syndrome. Is it? Okay. In, irritable bowel syndrome. Irritable. Yeah. Irritable bowel. Yeah. So I took a, a banana in mm-hmm. the morning because of my thyroid levels. Mm-hmm. I almost died. If my sister was not in the house, she didn't see me go. I should have thought I was poisoned. 
for four days. And my doctor said, you have entered into full Hashimoto's. Do not go to the hospital because if you go to the hospital, they'll cut your intestines. I want you to get, I've forgotten it, a solution and take. He told me, just drop, he gave me a solution. I don't know. I used to live with that medication in my bag. I've forgotten the name. I want you to live on it. Mm-hmm. Once you feel a bit strong, Douala, Lagos is an hour flight. Book the next flight to Lagos and take as much things as you come because I don't know whether you go back to Cameroon till you go into remission. Right. So I managed to book a flight by the end of the week so that I could feel a bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I was on the plane. I had a SIBO, SIBO attack. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. How it happened... I don't know. My neighbor gave me something to put in my mouth. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are not yet taking over. I just called the hospital to send the ambulance to the airport. Unfortunately, there was so much traffic. I already had a driver that was supposed to pick me up, and I was so weak. Mm-hmm. So when I got back to Lagos, I went back to the hospital, did checkup and everything, and the doctor said they, they, have, to, they have to change my treatment plan, come up with a meal plan for me and everything. And for... Over eight weeks, why the world was on shutdown, on lockdown, mm-hmm. I was also on lockdown. I couldn't wake up to go use the toilet for about eight to 12 weeks. I was bedridden. Wow. I'm never waking up the next day in the morning. Allergies, I'll do research. They say, oh, put a bit of um, essential oil in your room. Yeah. All of those things will work for me. Everything that worked for everybody. You know, I was on medications. I was on medications, medications. I'm trying to do therapy. I went on green, green smoothies for the whole of that eight weeks. That's if I struggle some days, that's the only thing I'll eat for a whole week. Wow. If I struggle and go use the toilet, I have to sit in the toilet pool for like 30, 45 minutes because there is no strength to come back to the bed. I had um, fatigue, chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm-hmm. I was dying. Yeah. The liturgy was way out of place. The sugar levels, oh God, struggled and struggled and struggled. And I had to be on, those tr- on the treatment for 12 weeks. No, for 14 weeks prior to next checkup. Yeah. God, as he does his things, when I went for the next checkup, my HbA1 level had gone to 4.1, below diabetic level. Mm-hmm. That was already progress. So the doctor re- asked me to stop the trajenta. And go back to I'll stay reduce the metformin. Mm-hmm. At that time, I recalled metformin because they found traces of cancer in some diabetic patients. So yeah. I was lucky that my doctor sits on the diabetic board in America and the UK, in Europe. Mm-hmm. So he's very well informed. Yeah. Placed me on panfor, metformin panfor, panfor release. Mm-hmm. That was not recalled. So I was on it for a while. So that was already a progress. So he told me, now we have to tackle the Hashimoto symptoms. He would like me to work with a naturopathic practitioner. Mm-hmm. He had to start looking. He was trying to get me one other in the UK, but I was lucky to have found one in Lagos. She's Indian. And who's she a naturopathic put, practitioner? Um, it's actually a naturopathic practitioner. They actually, they are, they, they are not medical doctors. They actually deal with the symptoms. Right. Yes, they try to find out why you were sick in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Whereas when you go to the hospital, the conventional doctors treat your symptoms. Yeah. But with naturopathic practitioners, they want to find out what caused the disease. They are okay. more interested in your internal body mm-hmm. to see maybe it was affected by natural forces, the house you were living in, the food you were eating, maybe the people you were around. So they put all of that into consideration during their therapies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always advise people who undergo strange things that, oh, you know, Cameroonians, everything they attributed to witchcraft. Witchcraft, said, no, no, yeah. Try to see a functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic practitioner. They'll help you. I was in a case where I was advised to go see TB Joshua since I live in Nigeria. Yeah. I never not any of that. I mean, I, all throughout my sickness, no pastor has laid his or her hands on top of my head. Even when I was dying, I didn't permit that. So he started working with me to look for one. He had found one in England. Mm-hmm. And he told me, join autoimmune support groups, connect with other people. I joined the support group on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I joined on Inst- I joined a team of different people on Instagram. I came across Dr. Elizabeth Wentz, who was one of the first people to put their Hashimoto's in remission. She was actually a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And due to her work stress and everything, she had Hashimoto's. And now she's a functional medicine pharmacist. Mm-hmm. She had written some books on how to put your Hashimoto's in remission. Right. I had to buy them. There was another doctor, Dr. Scott, who is in Arizona, who, is, who also had Hashimoto's. He used to be a banker. He put his Hashimoto into remission. He wrote a book on how to live with Hashimoto's into remission. I bought their books and I started reading it. That was my guide to healing. But I didn't have the tools. So I came across my naturopathic practitioner on Instagram. In fact, somebody referred me to her. Mm-hmm. I was her first patient. It was a miracle. When I told her my story, she said, you've already done all the work. I said, I'm overweight. I still have water retention in my legs and under my tummy. Yeah. And my stomach, I was bloated around my underbelly, which was estrogen dominance. I looked like a woman that was pregnant for a young girl. Yeah. My hands and everything, what they call Christian mother arms. So we started therapy. She started with lymphatic drainage massages to remove the excess fluids from my body. Mm-hmm. I was placed on some supplements for IBS in particular. I had to repair my in, my digestive tract. Mm-hmm. She made me understood that every disease has to start from your liver. I had to start detoxing my liver. So I was doing these massages four times a week. Mm-hmm. I had to sit into a traditional body steamer. A traditional body steamer is quite different from a steam room where everybody goes to. Mm-hmm. This one deals with your internal body helps to extract toxins from your body so after the lymphatic drainage massages i have to go and sit again in that steamer because my pores were open mm-hmm. you know i would tell you three weeks into it everybody started noticing the difference wow and she did a liver detox a liver detox is simply a castor oil pack in a, in a, in a, in a cotton wool cloth wrapped around your stomach with a, a water heater around your, around your liver. Mm-hmm. It has to be for one hour. So castor oil and cotton wool pack. Uh-huh. It's called, those are the two things you need with a water heater. And a wrapper, a wrapper seal. Yes, yes. They put the clear seal, the, the clear for a uh, wrap. Yes. Mm-hmm. When they put the cotton mask, which 
you put the oil inside an oil burner, mm-hmm. you try to warm it a bit, mm-hmm. you soak this cotton wool in it, and you wrap the cotton wool, you put it around the around your liver on your right. Your yeah. Liver. Yeah. You wrap it. I mean, people have multiple diseases. They put it on the two side around their gallbladder. They show you those mm-hmm. who have gallbladder stone disease. Mm-hmm. You wrap it round and you you lie for 40 minutes. It's a game changer. You don't need to be sick before you do it. I think I'm gonna try that. Yeah, I'll send you a link. Yeah. The first time I did it, <laughs> I could barely walk. Every medication I've taken, I had 27 bottles of water on that day. This wow. lady kept so the castor oil liver detox mm-hmm. changed my life. When I went, I was supposed to go when I started with the naturopathic coach. My doctor said we should give three months just to ensure. Mm-hmm. Mind you, she had all these massage packages and medication. Then she had to put me on what they call reduce glutathione to protect your liver, to detox your liver. Mm-hmm. So after that liver detox for 48 hours, I could barely function. The amount of toxic loads I've had a right and iodine ablation. I've been on medications. I used to take medications like every hour. Like when I started the treatment in Lagos, I used to take medication 19 times a day. Hmm. Yes, you drink this one at this time. Drink this one at two. Drink this one at three. So my whole life, I, I thank God I wasn't even working. So I couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I was just struggling with everything. So when I had that liver detox, it was like a game changer for me. I was supposed to have the next session after a week. Yeah. I had the second one. I had the third one. I went for checkup. I'd gone into remission for diabetes. Wow. My, my... Uh, antibodies were 136. Mm-hmm. After the liver detox, my antibodies went to 20. Wow. And usually when your antibodies are high in the body, that means that there's a problem. That means that there's an infection that they are trying to fight. So it's basically like, like I had mentioned before, when you have an infection, the fighters in your body, which are the antibodies or the white blood cells, they gather together and then they start fighting. So the higher the white blood cells, the more... Basically, I would like to say the more you are being infected or in other words, when your white blood cells are high, then that means that they are fighting something, right? It could either be a foreign object or it could either be your body. And you have all the symptoms like fever and then like all the pain and everything. Now, if your white blood levels are within the normal range, then that means there's nothing really happening. And they are normally supposed to be within the normal range. I actually forgot... Let me see. I actually forgot what the normal range of the white blood cell count is, you know, but the fact that they left from, you know, I think 20,000, I think they left from 136,000 to 20,000. That definitely means that there was such an improvement because I think the total white blood cell count is between 4,500 and 10,000, basically from what I can see here. I was saying that to explain that to the listeners. Okay. So that was an improvement from 136 to 20. Mm-hmm. We had now, uh, and I, because I have Hashimoto's and other diseases, it had, we, our target was supposed to be zero. Mm. Yes. And mm-hmm. my thyroid and um, they call it TGA 
TGA, thyroid antibodies, was supposed to be zero. Okay. Yes. Cortisol level was supposed to be zero. Cholesterol levels were supposed to be zero because of the rate at which I've been very sick. I'm not supposed to have anything, even 1%. Protein level, everything was supposed to be within range. So that was a huge progress. I'd gone into full remission for diabetes. I didn't need to take metformin again Mm -hmm. or anything. So I continued the therapies, the massages, the liver detox. So we stopped having the liver detox every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So now once a month, because our target was to bring my antibodies to zero. And five months after that, I went into my stress levels too. I had to work on my stress levels Mm -hmm. and she had to incorporate me. I needed to start moving my body. Mm -hmm. That was when I found out I had a trainer. I never knew I never needed one. I started yoga I started yoga and Pilates because mm-hmm. I needed to start using my body. Yes. Started yoga and Pilates. I continued. I continued. I continued. I continued for another six months. Mm-hmm. This lady was costing me 1200, about 1300 every month. Wow. So aside medications, because I had to start buying some of the medications from the U.S. So now she had to change some of my, I'd gone into remission, yes. But we we'll have to make the other thyroid, um, my T4 and T3, mm-hmm. with TS to be normal range. Yeah. She got, she got me on a supplement by some lady in America who is, she's actually a traditional medicine practitioner because mm-hmm. she had over 30, over 30 autoimmune disease. She's called Organic Olivia. So she's 28. Wow. And she had to go to New York school of medicine of traditional medicine to find out how to cure herself Mm -hmm. to find out how to cure herself. Mm -hmm. So she literally cured herself and decided to start helping others by doing all the supplements and literally. So she got what they call, she too also had a thyroid stuff, thyroid pro. Mm -hmm. So I took the thyroid pro and I had to take something from my adrenals because of my stress level. Mm -hmm. I mean, the adrenals had gone better, but I needed those supplements together with yoga yeah to help me become a sane person so continue taking it and sometime in june yes in june i'd gone into full remission full remission now the doctor said my cholesterol levels were at one i don't know what happened to me i started eating sausages i didn't i didn't i didn't have to eat them (laughs) my cholesterol left from one to ten we had to work on that. We had to detox it from my immune system. I happened to come across another lady in the U.S. who suffers from so many diseases. Mm-hmm. She has what they call um, Lyme. Yeah, Lyme disease. And other things. So she advised me. She said, if I had to live in the U.S., she's not sure I'm going to be paying for all those bills. So she connected me to some group, which was an association of different functional medicine doctors. They had like, to find out why I became sick. And mm-hmm. I came to realize that my house, in Ka- my apartment in Cameroon, yeah. damn roof, mold was one of the causes of me being sick. Wow. Because every time I felt better, once I go back to my house, it's like there, there's something chasing me out of there. Yeah. So I found out that was one of the reasons. So that's why despite all the treatments I've had, I still don't feel okay. 
because mm. I could still see myself not being able to wake up from bed. There were days where I was bloated. I could not wake up from bed. If I go party with my friends, I will not be able to do anything. It was that bad. Wow. I can't stand on my shoes for a while. So I wanted to find out what was wrong. And I had to take laws. My, I had to take my health into my hands. Into your hands, yes. You had to be your advocate. Yes. So I got a terrasage, um, a terrace, terrasage 360 infrared sonar I, because I have one. Mm-hmm. I had to buy one in the US. I started, I bought my coffee, organic coffee enema kit. I registered with a colon hydrotherapist because mm-hmm. I started colonics. Yeah. Colonics, colon cleans because with all the medications I'd taken, there was no reason to explain why I wasn't feeling too well. I mean, I'd contacted another doctor in England who happens to be a functional medicine doctor, mm-hmm. Dr. Ben. But Dr. Ben, when I calculated the expenses, it was going to cost me so much money. Mm-hmm. So I read about his therapies. He made me understand maybe I have parasites. That's why I have Hashimoto's. And I said, I can't have parasites. But I said, you've lived in mold. Hmm. So li- living in mold could be the cause of the reason why you are still not feeling okay, despite everything you've done. Yeah. So he has his own treatment plan. And I said to myself... I'm not sure I'll be able to follow this treatment because part of the treatment was you could stay for two months without lifting, waking up from your bed. Wow. And I was not ready to undergo that. All of again. that again. Yeah. It's yeah. too much. Because it was becoming too much for my aunt and my uncle. They had their own problems back in the US. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was costing them $4,000 every month in Africa to wow. pay my medical bills and therapy bills, aside feeding and other things. So yeah. I, and I've been doing that since 2019. I was not working. Wow. I was, I had to resign from my job to stay alive so that I could take care of my health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so every time I try to do a consultation, trust me, even if they pay me money, that money can't even pay for one checkup. Because if I call the doctor that I'm not feeling too well or my voice doesn't sound right, they'll check from my knee to my hair just to find out what is causing this. Sometime in July, I had an accident, drastic mm-hmm. accident, and I ended up with the back pain. So I started seeing a chiropractor. I didn't know I was not supposed to see a chiropractor. It was just the so many medications I'm taking hmm. that is causing back pain. The pain was actually from my liver. Wow. I didn't even know it. So in conversation with the naturopathic doctor from London, he said, why don't you try colonics? Maybe if you do a colonics, it's going to help you. Mm-hmm. Do a colonics and let's see that back pain. I've been to, every time I go to the chiropractor, I get worse. And I said, okay, from my functional medicine group from Instagram, one of the girls been doing what they call a liver and gallbladder flush. Celtic sea salt, lemon and olive oil. I bought all of the things from the US. I mean, it takes just 10 days to get here in Lagos. I started it. I sent out worms. Wow. That was making me sick, but I didn't know. To do it, when you do it, you're supposed to do coffee enema. She actually was treated in a functional medicine clinic in Mexico where she had coffee enemas nine times a day. Wow. Like every hour alongside colonics for like three months before she could heal herself from whatever it is. Yeah. So I didn't, I missed one of the classes because I wasn't feeling too well. Mm-hmm. And I became very sick. 
I became very sick. My doctor said, you're not supposed to be sick. What is wrong with you? Go to the hospital. Wrote a series of tests. It turned out I had septicemia. I was on oxygen. If that hospital was not a multi-specialty hospital, I won't be alive today talking to you. I had 14 IV drip on my hands. I was on a wheelchair. Hmm. My doc- I could not even tell my doctor that I've started this detox. I've stopped seeing that Indian lady. It was as a result of what I was doing. When I sent an email to the group and pictures of me surviving in the hospital with ma- with oxygen, the lady came back and said, "Oh, sorry, I've been out Instagram because I'm not feeling too well. You are supposed to have you are supposed to have been doing it with coffee enema and colonics." Wow. You know they treat septicemia all over antibiotics. My yeah, body doesn't accept. My body doesn't accept antibiotics because I cannot take it. I was on strong antibiotics and the doctor said, let us focus on making me get well first and start walking. Mm-hmm. I can start moving around to do my own things on my feet. We will concentrate on detoxing the antibiotics from my immune system. It wasn't funny. I came out, I started that coffee enema. The first day I started organic coffee enema. I slept for 14 hours. Wow. The toxic food. I sent out the parasites like live worms. Wow. I can't believe these things were still in my body. That was the reason why, despite all the treatments I've had, I, w- I still had bad days. The therapist told me I'm supposed to do it after two days. I'm supposed to do it four times a week, mm-hmm. at least for the first three months. That first day, I couldn't even do anything. I just sent a message to every member of my family and said, I've started coffee enema and I'm so weak. I won't be able to talk on the phone. I could not even wake up from bed. He had told me the first time I'll do the coffee enema. Normally, for me to have started the coffee enema, I was supposed to have done a colonics. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to have cleaned, like the colonics would take out a great part of the toxic load, mm-hmm. load of my body, the antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Then 48 hours after the colonics, I would do the coffee enema. It would help. But I, I didn't have time to even go and look for the colon hydrator. I was still looking for one that was not far from me. You have a few of them. The one which I use, she also had irritable bowel syndrome. And when she became well, she had to take a course on it to to find out the number of people are suffering from it. Right. So the first coffee enema, I was still struggling. 48 hours later, I took another one. I took another one. Then I went now to go and do the the colon hydrotherapies. I continued and continued and continued. And mind you, as I went for checkup, there was no need to get me tested. I mean, every three months or one month or two weeks, I left from testing at least 22 different medical conditions to testing three or four. Wow. Yes. The doctor said every symptom has improved. Okay, we'll test again in two weeks because I had to tell him, I said, oh, I've started. He said, yes, it's taking away all the talk. Even my cholesterol levels improve. My sleep, because that was also another major problem. Yeah. I could sleep for eight hours. I never used to get tired. That's when I decided, okay, now that my health has improved, I should start something to do with my life, which I can manage myself. And that's mm-hmm. how I got to start my business. I did a research. My friends were like, oh, why don't you start a business? I said, you guys understand. I don't have the same immune system as you, but I can't stand stress. So I have to do something which I can only manage myself. Right. Nothing more, nothing less. So I kept testing back to back. I continued I did the colonics for three months, mm-hmm. every two weeks, consistently. I never missed any 
any any I never miss any session. Right. At the same time, I was very consistent with the coffee enema, and I'm still consistent. Yeah. So when I went for checkup in January, there was a bit of there was a one percent zero zero point one percent decrease in my protein level. The doctor said, "Oh, you have to start eating egg white because I'm not eating an egg since 2019 mm-hmm. because of my level. yeah cholesterol yeah I consistently for two months egg white only and yeah my in fact I'm going for checkup on Tuesday and everything has improved drastically. I know what to eat. I know what what not to eat. I know how to manage myself. I've left from two hours consultation to 10 minutes. Wow. Wow. And so you think that the coffee enema and the colonics are the two main things that have really helped you drastically. It's a lifestyle. Yes. And, and, and the three, six, my, my, my infrared sonar. I just sit in it in the evenings. Yes. For 20 minutes. That's the life I'm going to be living to the day God decides to call me away from this world. Right. Because and I was, if I don't do that, I might have a relapse. Yeah. And, you know, funny thing is that about the lifestyle thing is that I actually was about to ask how this whole thing has affected, you know, just your lifestyle changes, your quality of life, your personal life and things like that. Because looking at you, nobody would ever think that you went through all of that. I mean, things couldn't get any worse than that. You know, like you have been through hell and back multiple times and you're still here standing and really talking and sharing your story, you know. So, I mean, you look nothing like your story, right? So how has this affected your lifestyle? First, I cannot get angry over something I have no control over. Yeah, basically low stress. I don't let anybody... I repeat, except my aunt and my uncle, because they literally spent all their money for me to be sitting here today. Yeah. I don't let anybody stress me. Yeah. I walk away from shitty people, negative and toxic. If I find out you are a toxic person, trust me, I won't even say good morning. Right. And my food, everyone who is close to me already know that about me. If you cannot accept me for who I am, I have no business being with you. The only thing I'm permitted to take is red wine. When it comes to fish, salmon, the only vegetable my immune system accepts is, uh, what's this called? Uh, spinach. Spinach. I, yeah, I take it either steam or I blend it. I, in fact, I, I eat it every day mm-hmm. in my smoothie. Mm-hmm. The only fruits my body accepts, pomegranates, green apple, and cucumbers. Wow. Yeah. So you're very particular about what you put into your body then? I can't even live in Cameroon for three days. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. I can't live in Cameroon for three days because of what am I going to eat? I mean, some days I'll eat plantain, but I'm not supposed to eat. Right, right. Everything, chicken. Is even chicken because I don't eat meat. Yeah. When I'm stubborn and I eat so yeah, I know that I have to be up at 4 a.m. to detox it. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's so, that's such a tough lifestyle to have but then that you got to do what you got to do because i remember every time i talk to you you're like oh yeah i'm just from like this morning you're like oh, i i'm just from doing my colonics or i'm just from doing this i'm just from doing that like it must be a very challenging way of living in terms of you yeah. know you have to be mindful about everything you eat you have to be mind you have to be accountable even too people around me even people around me if your energy is off i start stressing i start having anxiety attacks wow is that bad? Wow. Well, that was such a story, honestly. I'm kind of speechless for once. <laughs> because, I mean, 
you just turned 33 and what you have gone through, even people in their 70s have not gone through. You and know, the and first, yeah. The first time in five years, I was asked to stop my medications. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a journey and, and you also fought. And, you know, there are a couple of lessons that I have learned from your story. And by the way, I'm giving a, I want to use this opportunity to give a huge shout out to those uncles and aunties and family members that step up for the other family members that step up and take the role of a parent to other family members who are definitely not their children directly or biologically. So I just want to give a shout out to your uncle and your auntie and tell them that, you know, we really appreciate them here at Living African Podcast for everything that they have done, you know, and continue to do for you because I would attribute you being alive today to them as well because they probably had to spend a lot to take you to all those institutions and see all those doctors. So, I mean, that goes to show that it's always good to treat people with love and respect, especially family members who may not even be your own children. Always be there for them because you never know what impact you're having on their lives. And now, I mean, some lessons I learned from your story is just about tenacity and just about believing in yourself, just about showing up for yourself every day and being your number one advocate as a patient. And that's because if you did not do all of these things, you probably would not have been alive today. You fought for yourself on a daily basis. You made sure that you were engaged in the conversations. It's very, very obvious that you are well informed about your disease because as someone who's not a healthcare professional as you are like you were stating some things and calling some names that it only takes someone who has experienced that or learned about that in school to really understand what you were talking about so thank you so much for sharing that now what have you learned about this experience and life after going through all of this and what's next for you it is first I've learned if you put God at the center of your life, I mean, I'm not saying people don't put God, but if you put God at the center of your life, mm-hmm. he's going to be there for you. I'm a testimony of God's grace. Yes. I'm not joking. Yeah. Like people, I can count at least 14 people that have died while I'm struggling to stay alive. It's not a joke. Yeah. Both family members and friends. I lost a childhood friend in America to this same disease. She was in a coma for a long time. May God wow. rest her soul. Wow. When her mom heard I had this disease, she told my uncle her. Imagine being in America. We lost the water. One more in Africa. Her. Right? Do you understand? So what I've learned is Africans have a tendency of hiding information. Yes. There are things you hide. If I wasn't telling everybody I'm sick... Trust me, I wouldn't have even found out there was a hospital in Nigeria because I used to visit Nigeria and the last thing, my hospital has become one of the most popular hospitals because of me. I advocate for them everywhere. I mean, it's very expensive. Don't get me wrong, babe. Right. It's what it's. The aftercare and no condition is permanent. That's I true. Knew I, was going, I knew I was going to be sitting in the board of a company giving decisions like what I like. Mm-hmm. But I tell God, I've come back to, I'm gradually getting to where I am. I mean... I just started my business earlier this year. I'm not yet where I want to be, but in the next three You're years. You're getting there. Exactly. And I'm so grateful to God. I'm gradually picking up my body, being the woman which I've always wanted to be. And yes. That's helped me to stand for myself. Yes, yes. That's very true. Thank you so much for sharing. And so how can the people contact you if they have more questions or they just want to oh, share information? Just- 
I sent my email address to Anyo. She can share my number with you. That is if you have somebody who is sick. Yes. Because my work is taking all my time and also my health. So you can reach out to me via DM IG. Yeah. I am always, re- once it comes to sickness, I'm always ready to help. Yeah. I'll help you look a doctor, a hospital, everything. Right, right. Thank you so much. I mean, I really don't have anything else to say, honestly. I just want to thank you for taking this time to share your story. I hope that people who may not even know that people who possibly have symptoms as you did and may not even know what it is or cannot put their hands on it will be inspired to go visit a doctor to check to further evaluate their symptoms if they have comparable symptoms to you. And I just hope that we have these conversations about these rare diseases as often as possible because these are things that our system, our health systems, especially in Cameroon, are not equipped to like clearly diagnose these issues. And that that's what leads to misdiagnosis and giving the wrong therapy to treat the disease and things like that. So thank you for really explicitly sharing your your journey from when you even started having those mild symptoms, which was were confusing and misdiagnosed as typhoid all the way to when you started seeking treatment. So any last words for our audience before we end the conversation? Uh, I'll thank every audience. And please share the word. If you have anybody, a friend, whoever it is, do not hesitate to go for medical checkup. I know some of you are lucky to be in America where everybody must go for checkup. Yeah. But it is, don't wait to be sick. True. Before you go to the doctor. I've been lucky to have been doing this ever since I was a kid. My Mm -hmm. dad raised us to go to the hospital three times a year for checkup. Mm -hmm. So don't wait till the symptoms are bad. Start from somewhere and people are going to help you. And no matter what you're going through, especially when it comes to your health, open up. That's right. That's right. A lot of people never do. That's right. When I hear somebody die and somebody's dead, I always want to find out what happened. What happened? Yeah. Were you guys aware he was sick? Did he seek for help? Because if I never seek for help, trust me, I would have died. Yeah. It has cost my family over a hundred and something thousand dollars for me to be alive. Some people would have used that money to build a bungalow in Cameroon, but this is me. Right, right, right. Human life cannot be, I mean, the value of human life cannot be quantified. So open up, seek help, even if it's a GoFundMe, as long as you're transparent. Yeah. We'll always be there for you. Yeah. Yeah, so I thank you all for taking the time to watch or listen to my story. And I pray that Whatever you're going through that you don't want to open up, may God reach out to you. You can even reach out to Anna in private and she can put it up. I mean, she has right. an audience and everything. Yeah. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you. Thank this you, was Anna. such an inspiring conversation and I hope that, you know, our people can also be inspired as well. And so I just yeah. want to thank you once more and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to our show. If you want to participate in the show or find out more helpful resources, then visit www.livingafricanpodcast.com for more information or email us at hello at livingafricanpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to connect with us on all social media platforms at Living African Podcast. You can also connect with Anyo directly on Facebook or Instagram at Anyo Fombard. Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.